It's Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine, your host, founder of Great Mondays. We help executives from hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations build cultures that attract, engage, and retain top talent. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, hang out for about 20 minutes and I'll tell you how. Welcome back to Great Mondays Radio. This is Josh Levine, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in for uh, another episode. We are off to a roaring start this year, and I'm so excited to have with me today, Catherine Canty, who is a master executive coach, has done a lot of executive coaching. And I am really interested, Catherine, in the exposure that you've had to a lot of leaders. And so I wonder if you could start by just telling us a little bit about kind of how you got into become a master executive coach and what role, how often do does does culture or culture issues come up when you're when you are working with these executives? Great question, Josh. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm excited to be able to share stories with you. Um, so, how did I get started? I think that was one of one of the questions. Uh, how, and, you, I mean, you're a, they're not just an executive coach; you're a master executive coach. Yeah, I was too crazy to know any different, and so I took on 16 coaching clients at one time, and I only <laughs> had to prove 12 to create measurable change because we create work with teams and individuals, and I help create measurable leadership change. And we use practical applications because the world's too busy to do anything else. But let's just get down to the basics, figure out what works, much like what culture, figure out what works. Let's rinse, repeat and create success. So um, I was too, probably just too crazy to know any different. So I picked up 16 clients when I first started out all in one group. And within 90 days, they created measurable change. And um, again, in another 90 days, so at the 180 day mark, they all came in. And it doesn't matter what I think, doesn't really matter what they think. It matters about what the people around them think and what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. And they all said these people have gotten better um, because of the focus. And the reason that program worked is because the guy that hired me, the CEO, he believed in it. He believed in his people. He believed in education. He believed in the leadership training because he lived it. He was one of the youngest CEOs named within the farm credit system. He took a chance on me. He took a chance on these people and these people created incredible results within a short period of time. What do you, when you're talking about results, I mean, what was the, did, did this um, CEO say, look, here's the issue, or did they say we could do better. What is the issue? What, where can we focus? So a lot of my CEO conversations start with, hey, Catherine, I don't know if you can help me, but let me tell you what's going on. Okay. And if I told you, if I had a dime for every time somebody said, hey, I don't know if you can help me, but can I just tell you what's going on? Yeah. And it's for him, he had really high potential people. He didn't have time to mentor 16 people over the next six months mm. to accelerate them. We did not know the world was going into COVID and we didn't know that he needed to get bench strength ready. And his team, his leadership team was really young, relatively speaking, because if we look at C-suite, these, these folks are more like in their fifties or so. And his C-suite, like they were set for the next 10, 20 years. COVID came and we all know stuff happens. You got to go home and take care of mom and dad, your life priorities shift. And he luckily had his bench strength ready. And so he had a young bench, um, but he had young leaders in there. And so with this training, they were able to create measurable change because we all know one and done training doesn't work. And so we create a lot of accountability 
along this way. And the CEO understood accountability and it lives in his culture even today, many years later, um, that importance of accountability. And it starts at the top. So tell me, tell me, all right. So, so where, where we're operating, the story you're talking about is a CEO enabling their leadership team to perform better. And that, as we all know, is a key element of the rest of the organization performing better. So when you talk about measurable change, you connect measurable change and accountability for me. What what does that look like? How did that how did that happen? What actually changed? Because I know plenty of, you know, my clients talk about um we need to be more accountable. And everybody goes, yes, absolutely, nods their head. And then what, you know, what is that, what does that mean? Right. Like how do they 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 kind of don't go to the next step? So, so how do how do how does a CEO ensure accountability when why you're saying like measurable change? What are the what are the steps? What did you measure? How did they become more accountable? Okay, I've got two thoughts. First one is a conversation I had last week, which is another CEO that I'm working with. She said, my younger leaders feel that accountability is micromanagement and we have to pivot the way they think about this. And so as I work with them over the course of several months down the road, eight months over the next you know, couple months as we talk, what we're going to do is I'm going to start dripping this conversation in about how accountability is not micromanagement. Accountability is being able to both agree on what we're going to come to at the end of the day and be able to have committed action. I agree I'm going to deliver by this time in this date. And the other person receives that this is when they're going to get the information. When they're doing that, they're creating more time in their day and they're able to expand for growth and more opportunities because they're not constantly checking in, telling themselves stories about, well, is it ready yet? Is it coming yet? When are they going to send me the update? When we agree on this stuff, it's not micromanagement and it is accountability. So that's my first thought. My second thought is Marshall Goldsmith trained him. He trained me um, himself on Marshall Goldsmith. Um, He's written a bunch of books. One of my favorites is What Got You Here Won't Get You There. So, you know, we work so hard to get to a certain point. And then if you want to continue to grow as a leader, you've got to change the way you think. You've got to think differently. You have to manage differently. You have to lead differently. In the beginning of many of our careers, we were paid to get results and like enter the TPS reports is like, I'd like to joke about, you know, Mm. we're sitting at the computer, we're, we're keying in data all day long, and then you get promoted to be a manager. You're not supposed to key in the data anymore. You're supposed to think and motivate and, and bring this vibe in. So when we come to work, we're happy about it. So what got us there was doing the TPS reports. What's going to get us to the next level is to think differently, have a conversation and build collaborations with other people in the organization. And Marshall Goldsmith does a great job teaching us that at every level and much like executive presence, it evolves at every single level that we take within the organization. Executive presence at entry level is different than at the CEO level. And so Marshall teaches or taught me this this framework of accountability where we have very strategic, short conversations. What are one or two things I can do better going forward? The secret to this is we have to ask, listen, thank. We ask the question, the leader asks the question, what can I do to get better with time management? What can I do to get better with accountability? We have to have humility, courage, and discipline to be able to receive that information. And so after we ask, we have to listen. We have to listen to what they have to say. We can't rebuttal. We can't argue. We can't do any of that stuff. And then we simply say thank you. And so if we can ask, listen, thank, a very simple question, 
we will have a gold mine of information because the people around us know us better than we know ourselves. Yeah. We can get what they value and then we can implement. I I love that. That to me also, first of all, this idea, accountability, this conceit or, or conception that accountability equals micromanagement, don't micromanage me. So I think that's a wonderful um, myth that, that you are uh, sharing with us. Number two, the people around us know us better than, than we know ourselves. And I want to expand that to say, in my experience, when we're talking about, you're talking about working with individuals to improve their behaviors. I work with organizations to improve all of their behaviors. And so the parallel here is I rarely ask the leaders what we need to do, but what I do is ask them to tell me who are their culture ambassadors. And those are the people who really know what the organization needs to do. And that's the challenge I find is leaders are disconnected from the organization itself. So I, I see, I don't know. I mean, that's that's the parallel that I see is this awareness, this organizational awareness, maybe. Can I yes. respectfully disagree? Yes, yes. Okay, please. fine. All right. So I would <laughs> Okay, I, fun, I, she I, says. All right, get ready. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this is I think this is fun. So I just went in to meet with this group. It was a group of about 12 leaders. I met with the CEO. They kind of gave me a little bit of a backstory, you know, because they all have backstory. This person does this. This person does this. But I just want you to come in and observe. And I was like, oh, okay. So I go in and I do my song and dance. We all know we've done these presentations. We're up there tap dancing basically mm -hmm. for a half a day trying to entertain people. And I was led with they don't know that communication is a problem. So mm. I I opened up the door. I led I led the group down this this path that eventually I did some warm-up exercises to get their values and their appreciations going and showed some similarities. And then I asked a few probing questions about, you know, how can we work better as a team? And they allowed communication to come up. And so even though we really didn't think that many people really understood what was going on, mm -hmm. as I facilitated, I didn't necessarily give a lecture about it. I facilitated it and it pulled it out of these people I could document it at the front of the room and I would write down their words. They may not all have said communication, but like we were leading down that path. And so, as you all know, if we can just get them to start talking and acknowledge what's going on, mm -hmm. we can get that theme. We can get that discussion. So even though it, I may have been set up thinking that they didn't fully understand. Well, that's they, what the information that you were told, right? Yeah. And so just to have that revelation of yeah. like, oh my gosh, you're totally right. It is communication. Well, I'm, I don't care what it is, but we're, we're going in the right direction. Right. Of they this may not, thing. I mean, I mean, from your story, they may not have known, but they, they, you were they evolved. To, they evolved. They were able to yeah. realize it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great. I think these are tools to get. And I think to me, the, the, the learning here is that there and this is what you're saying how do you change the way you think yeah. and so your tools and how i describe what we try to do is changing the perspective changing the way people think because you do get in the rut of efficiency because we're overwhelmed with so much stuff and so your body your brain your psyche just wants to go right back to i know what to do i'm just going to do it this way and it mm -hmm. takes more energy and more time to go wait a minute i have to rethink this I love we gotta it. Have, we got to have some curiosity in there. 
Curiosity Indeed. is what creates new efficiencies that we had no idea existed. Curiosity. And this is, you know, if if you've read um, the book, Difficult Conversations, right? You go in with yeah. curiosity. And that was one of the big learnings from my the past decade for me. Um, and I approach, I use that in all professional and personal work. <laughs> and I think curiosity is a, is a wonderful frame because even if, well, this is for me, I'll just speak for me. Even if I'm pretending to be curious it mm -hmm. still opens up a little bit of a you're i'm like stop being such a jerk whatever you know or whatever it is it's like if i go in asking that question it's like oh actually i didn't know that and mm -hmm. so i allowed for that so even you know maybe it's a i don't believe in fake until you make it but maybe here here i do of just like just asking being curious is really an interesting um skill powerful skill powerful skill all right. So, so what have you observed to be a culture theme, a, a culture challenge that has emerged as a theme um, recently with, and like you said, you, you take on a lot, you see a lot of leaders, a lot of organizations. What are the things that they're struggling with? Okay. So one that, that, bubbles to the top of my mind. This came up on a, a trip I had not too long ago. I was talking with someone and they said, do you think your success is due to this? I was like, because they heard a few of my stories and I was like, yeah, now that you think about it. Yeah, I think so. And it, it's providing honesty to leaders. We all say that we're ready for the honesty and sometimes the managers aren't ready. The sponsors aren't ready to be honest with the leader. And I had a really hard heart to heart conversation with this up and coming leader because the person in charge, I mean, they love this leader, but we need to have a really hard conversation. And it just wasn't either being delivered correctly. It wasn't being received correctly. And I finally just texted the leader, I said, Hey, we got to get on the phone this afternoon because I know where he was going next. And I was like, you can't go in there. We need to talk. And I know it's five o'clock and I know you're heading into your, your kid's event, whatnot, but like, you need to sleep on this information and, and you don't need to act immediately, but it all boils down to honesty and just having the courage to be able to share. And so much of business that's out there, people are not sharing the honest truth about what needs to be done to get the business delivered. They're not sharing the honest feedback of why you cannot act the way you're acting in a meeting because they're scared. They're going to, can I cuss? No. Okay. I won't. You can um, cuss. So, you can cuss. Right. They're, sc they're scared. They're going to piss somebody off in a meeting and, and you know, it's okay. We can, we can share, we can have sidebar conversations afterwards just to be like, Hey man, you need to rein it back in. You can't say that. Or I really need you to speak up in this meeting. And we're missing a lot of honesty in business because everybody just, just wants to glide and they just want it. Well, it worked before we don't need to try anything new. Let's not be real honest and let's not be curious. So that's my opinion. Do you think it's an American trait of like, not kind of confrontation, not, not, not willing to can have that honest conversation or is this like a human thing? I don't know. I think people are so scared to fail and they think failure is the end of the world. Yeah. And we're scared to speak up. We're scared to, we have this fear 
And we, Brene Brown's written bukus of books on fear, but like we have this fear in the culture and I've worked in those cultures where there's so much fear. No one will speak up because they know there's a better solution out there. They're so fearful of what's going to happen because they watched one person get fired and that other person just didn't do a good job and they needed to be fired. But Mm you can still speak up and provide value, but there's just that honesty. And, and sometimes that, that fear that's out there that it really engulfs sometimes the cultures and we've got to get people to get over that fear and reward, you know, some of this new thinking that's out there. If you want your business to really excel for the long term. Let me ask you a question. You're I, I get this question a lot in, in different forms, which is, what if my CEO or leadership team doesn't, the broad one is like, doesn't believe in culture, whatever that might mean. But in this case, what if the CEO group aren't being honest with each other? And and how can I, as a manager, be honest? Am I going to be inhibited from being honest? Or let's put it this way. Typically, if the leaders don't do it, that dysfunction trickles down. Can Does a manager of a business group or an organization or a team, do they have the ability to change that? Or is it just too unlike, like, is it just built into the organization's DNA now? Because it's like this obfuscation or this avoidance conflict avoidance is seen as kind of that's part of the culture. That's what we do. Not that they're thinking about that anyways, but they're, to your point, they're scared. I think it is, do they have a shot at it? I mean, could they, what could they do to have a shot at it? If it's not built in, if it's, you know, coming down from the top, does that make sense? Yeah. I've lived in there. Um, I've seen it not at the top and I've seen teams still be teams create their own culture. Managers can own what they can own and they can control what they can control. And you protect these people because these are your, these are your people. This is your team. And you got to act. You got to be able to own what you can own. You cannot own up. You can try. And some people, they're just not going to change, but just sometimes we got to accept. And it just may be your time in life that you got to own this team as a manager. And eventually Things will turn over or opportunities will open up and you will go somewhere else and you'll be able to make a greater impact there, but control what you can within your own, within your own, you know, environment that you're in. And it may just be your team. Yeah. Sphere of influence is what I I say. Yeah. 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 That's okay. Good. That (laughs) I respect the work that you do. And that's been my observation, but I feel like you have such a unique, powerful point of view to see that. Um, it's really, it's really compelling. I would challenge people just to just, I I use respectfully challenge because Lord knows I've been in so many meetings where sometimes I just throw something out there just to see if it sticks, just, just to start breaking that barrier a little bit. And if you are a manager with an incredible team and you're, you're, you've got the culture in your team, you're going to be given opportunities to speak up in that executive forum with that C-suite leader. They're going to ask you, why is your team better than others? And have your elevator pitch ready about what Mm. small thing you're doing. What is the one thing that if that CEO said, oh, well, Josh is just taking them to lunch once a week and listening to what they're doing on the weekends. 
maybe we can do that somewhere else. You know, just give them something small because that's how we can create the positive momentum. And I've been in rooms where they don't ask. And if they don't ask, we don't need to share because they're not ready. They're not open. They're not willing to receive. And that's just as Mm -hmm. loud of a message as somebody saying, hey, what's one thing we can do? So um, how I, I, re, I resonate with this culture challenge of because I have seen it over and over again with executive teams, small and large, right? Startup and international enterprise of this lack of willingness to try and engage in a difficult conversation what you just is are there other tactics so you've just shared one thing which is i'm going to put something out there uh something that might you know might stick um are there other just to kind of see and test the waters Mm -hmm. but what's another if someone listening is on one of these teams be it c-suite manager, whatever it might be. And there's a reticence among the team. The culture of that team is not to challenge. Can you give us some advice on how to start to change the culture of that team so that we can be more willing to speak the truth? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier the work I do, it creates change, but we're using practical applications. So this may sound uber practical, but practical is what we remember when we're in an emergency. Like we've got to just remember, and these are stressful situations. You know, you want to speak up. And so you got to keep it practical because you can't do complicated stuff in a very high stress environment or situation. Um, One thing that the first thing that comes to mind is you got to lead with value. Like, how are you bringing value? Because if you're not leading with value, with kindness and paying it forward within the organization, you don't have the reputation to be listened to or to be, or to have information come from you. So if you don't have the track record and you don't have the record of like how you are helping and building other people, they're not going to, they're not going to credit you. The second thing I would do, and this is something that I do a lot. And I did this in my corporate because I spent 20 plus years in corporate. I was in the boardroom with the executives and you got to be ready for this. And this is easier said than done, but we were having a hard conversation and I asked a very simple question. I said, I have something that I want to share. Is it okay if I throw it out there? It's going to pause the room. They're going to have to reframe. Oh, she's got a different idea. She wants to share. She's kind of asking for permission. But what I'm doing is reframing their brains because their brains are on one path, but I need them to think in a new way. And so I, in a way, not physically raise my hand, but I just say, hey, I've got an idea. Can I share? You want to guess what they did? They said yes. They said no. What? We don't want to hear from you, Catherine. So then you take that information and you 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 pack it down and you, you process it for later. <laughs> you, you hold it in with your tears. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Like, and then you begin to realize my time here has run. It's time to go. And I had a six-hour drive home from that meeting. And I could read between the lines, but like I love this place. I've been there for 12 years. I had the most amazing career there. But a new leadership team came in. They were bringing in their own leaders. They didn't need my input anymore. 
And so when I raised my hand and said, Hey, I've got an idea. Can I, can I toss it out there just to, just to like throw it out there as a reset? Like I'm going to talk about something different. And they said, no, we're not, we're not, no, we're good. Then you, you process it and you're like, all right, this time for the doors to open, like read the writing on the wall. There is a new, better opportunity out there for you. And that's okay because you talk about culture and we all struggle with culture. And when you're ready to create the change, we can create the change. But until then, keep your eyes open. There are tons of people with wonderful culture who are looking for people and talented people like who's listening right now who are dying to have you on their team because they want someone with that culture fit. And just because you can't fit where you are right now, maybe for now, maybe you've just stretched as long as you could. I did. I went, I stretched for 12 years. 10 of them were fantastic. Last two, you could begin to see it. And then you just start opening up yourself to the universe of like, what else is out there? And incredible opportunities, if you're willing to keep growing, will show up. That's amazing. Uh, Catherine Canty, uh, master executive coach. You can find her at CatherineCanty.com. Um, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-C-A-N-T-E-Y.com. Thank you for your counsel and your stories. You are doing amazing work. And I really, really appreciate you sharing your um, wisdom with uh, the Great Mondays radio community. So thank you so much. It was really wonderful to, to chat with you. Josh, thank you for having me. And I love your book and culture wins in the end. And I just want to keep cheering you on. So thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, stop it some more. All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Hey, if you want to be a guest, head over to greatmondays.com slash radio. We'd love to hear from you. And if you think this episode was interesting and your friends and fans would enjoy it, please share on social media. And if you want to get more people to understand the power of company culture in business today, please rate and review Great Mondays Radio on your podcasts app or podcast feed. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to make sure to hear more candid conversations with culture leaders, subscribe to Great Mondays Radio. And I'd love to connect with you. Find me on LinkedIn at aka Josh Levine, on YouTube at Great Mondays, and you can always email me, josh at greatmondays.com. Find out more about our work with hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations, or grab a copy of our book at greatmondays.com. I'm Josh Levine. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio.